the text for this morning is taken from the first verse of Psalm 23, where we read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, imagine the country of Israel for a moment from the perspective of a sheep. You have dry and dusty regions closer to the coast, some hot and arid landscapes. But as you move inland from the sea, you get the shephelah, the foothills. And as the clouds roll in, they get lifted up, and then they release their rain on the land. And there in the foothills, you have a lot more of the lush greenery that you would desire The sheep would be led through these grassy pastures from one location to another, every time looking for new feeding grounds. Depending on the season, you'd be moving around pretty regularly. Now, as a sheep, there would be many dangers to face as well. You would have robbers that would be lying in wait. They would come out to take hold of the sheep and drag them away. And then you have the wild animals, the bear that comes up to the flock, sinks its teeth into sheep, and again drags them away. Or the roaring lion that comes in. David speaks of having dealt with all of these as a shepherd in his lifetime. And then you have the danger of snakes rising up from the grass to poison the sheep. So in the face of all of this, where does the sheep look? The sheep looks to his shepherd, the shepherd who protects him. This shepherd is the one who faces off against the bear and the lion, who strikes them and drives them away or kills them. He's the one who goes out after the sheep that wander. And if they get caught in some rocky crevice, he is the one who will go down and bring them out again and bring them back to the flock. And at the end of the day, when the night draws near, then he brings them back to the sheep pen. And this would be a rocky wall and be placed around where the sheep could go into the center and then the shepherd could lie down at the opening and act as the gate for the sheep and he would sleep there keeping watch over the sheep. This is the imagery that would be running through the head of the Israelite as he reads the psalm or hears it sung in the psalm of David. And the words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, would be vivid for him or her. It would be precious. And so those are the words that we will be looking at today. And first we'll see that it's the Lord who watches over me. Secondly, we'll see that he is my shepherd. This is personal. And third, we'll see that I will not want for anything. Now, 
Before we begin, I do want to point out one thing, that this is something that cannot be said for everyone. If you are here, if you're perhaps visiting, we're very thankful to have you in our midst. But if you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is not for you. In John 10, we read, He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So for someone to be a sheep of the shepherd, we can see that it's there's a response that is required. The sheep must listen to the voice of the shepherd. The sheep hears and answers and follows the shepherd. Again in John 3 verse 16, we hear the famous words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But if you are visiting here and you don't believe, then don't think that this has nothing to say to you at all. I want you to imagine for a moment that this could apply to you. Imagine what this would be like, that you can have that confession that it is the Lord who watches over me. He is my shepherd, and I will not want for anything. The word that's used for the Lord here is a very special one. If you look at the beginning of the psalm, Psalm 23, you can see that it's placed in caps. The reason for that is that it is the covenant name of the Lord, Yahweh. This covenant name is the name that the Lord has given to his people to name him by so that they can see that they are in a personal relationship with him. With the covenant, he claimed his people as his own. He has taken them out of the nations and he has given them the Ten Commandments as a constitution. And even in these Ten Commandments, you can see the opening words, I am the Lord your God. I am Yahweh your God. Again, this covenant relationship, this loving relationship with his people. Now you have to understand how remarkable this would have been for the people of Israel. This God is the one who is the God over all the universe. This God is awesome and powerful beyond what we can imagine. He created the galaxies and the stars, and he calls them each by name. Now think of the amount of oversight that would be required for stars. There are two reactors in Atlanta that have 800 employees. Think of that. A reactor has a fraction of the energy of stars. There's two reactors in Atlanta, and they have 800 employees that require constant oversight of these reactors to keep them running, to keep them maintained. And yet, our sun, which is one among many stars, is the equivalent of millions of such reactors. And it is God who watches over each and every one of them. And again, from, from the biggest known star right down to the most intricate cell in our bodies that works in harmony. Each of these trillions of cells work together in harmony 
within us to maintain and uphold us, to keep us thinking, reasoning, loving. All of these are upheld and governed by the Lord, our God. He upholds everything from the biggest thing in the universe to the very smallest, and he keeps it running, keeps it maintained. In response to all of this, we can say with the words of Psalm 8, O Lord, O Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? And yet we can see that he does care for us. He does care for us. He gives us food to eat. He gives us those green pastures and quiet waters to go by. He provides us with everything that is necessary for body and soul. Now for the nation of Israel, this would have been awe-inspiring and comforting. They had been drawn out out of all the peoples of the earth and chosen by this God, by this Lord who gave, a personal, gave them his name, gave them a personal relationship, who established this covenant with them. God says to them in Deuteronomy, has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God and there is no other besides him. God had chosen them. Out of all the nations of the earth. He's the one who governed and maintained everything. And you would think, oh, he's far too busy. Far too busy to deal with such a small nation. And yet he chose to draw them out. David was calling them to see this God. This all-powerful, majestic God as their own shepherd. It was awe-inspiring and comforting. Now, David was speaking from his own experience. We can read that in Psalm 139. There he, there he says, You knitted me together in my mother's womb. He experienced this newness dearly throughout his life, from the very beginning, through being chased by Saul and persecuted, through experiencing the death of his children, being scorned by those around him, being hated, through all of this, he was yet able to stand strong in the love of God because God was Yahweh to him. He was the one who had established this relationship with him despite any trouble that came his way. We can see this most notably in his words that he uses against Goliath. He says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. All this assembly will know, all this assembly will know that the Lord saves not with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. He was confident because God was the Lord. God was his covenant God. God had established the, this relationship with him, and he had promised that he would watch over and care for him.
Now for us in Christ, we share in that very same love and care. We also can lay claim to this, that we are the Lord's chosen people as well, that we're able to stand despite trouble. We read, but you are a chosen generation. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. He is your God, yes. He is the God of the universe. But he is not just God. He is also Father through Jesus Christ. And he is your shepherd. We can say, he is God, he is my God, he is my Father, and he is my shepherd. Now, at this point, I want to... uh, share with you a story that I read not too long ago. And here it was a little boy who was dying. He had a teacher that came to visit him. And this teacher was thinking, what can I say? What can I say to this little boy? And he, he, you would think he has so much of his life ahead of him, and yet now he has just death waiting in the wings to come and draw him away. What can I say to him? How can I give him comfort in this time? As he was speaking with the boy, this very little boy, he told this boy to hold out his hand. So the boy held out his hand, and he said, always remember, the Lord is my shepherd. This boy held out his hand. He looked at it and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And he held on to that finger. He held on to finger number four. The Lord is not a shepherd. The Lord is not the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. All the next morning, they said that they found the boy. He had passed away during the night. And he was still holding on to that finger. He had fallen asleep here and he had woken up in glory where he could stand before his shepherd. He had that assurance that the Lord was his. The Lord was his own, his shepherd. You won't find that assurance very much today. There are many people who know the Lord. They know that the Lord is a shepherd. But... They don't acknowledge him as any more than that. He is a shepherd. He's one among many. And we ourselves have the tendency to approach this with a certain level of fear. It's especially a problem here in Canada with our drive for tolerance. We have a fear to address this. This drive for tolerance has even seeped into the church. We fear when people speak negatively of Christianity. We fear when we think of evangelizing to someone. We fear even when it comes to someone asking us about about it. We are afraid. But why do we fear? 
We fear because we don't want to say the wrong thing so that we sound intolerant. We fear because we don't want to sound like a bigot. But we don't understand in these moments that by doing this, we are hiding our shepherd. By doing this, we are hiding the only place where they can find true satisfaction. We've been taught that it's intolerant to promote one way, one truth, and one life above and beyond any others. And that is the cost that comes with it. There are others who see him maybe not as a shepherd, but the shepherd. They recognize that, yes, he is the only way, the truth, the life. Maybe some of you might be among these. And you recognize that, yes, God has the ultimate authority, that, yes, through Jesus Christ, we find salvation, but you keep him at a length. You keep him at, his, at an arm's length because you have another shepherd in your lives. Think about this for a moment. Do you have another shepherd in your lives? Is fun your shepherd? Do you live for the weekend? Do you live for the next trip or vacation that you're going to make? Are things your shepherd? Do you live for buying the next stereo system, the next Oculus Rift virtual reality system, the next car, the next boat? Are relationships your shepherd? Do you bounce from one date to the next, looking for someone to fill you, to make you whole? Is alcohol your shepherd? In your moments of stress, do you go to the bottle? In your deepest, darkest moments, do you find your strength in a glass of wine? Is pornography your shepherd? Is work your shepherd? Now, don't get me wrong. Having fun, material being able to receive material things, these are blessings. They are blessings from the Lord, although obviously alcohol and porn are not. But the question when you're dealing with these things is what drives you when you're looking at this? Where do you go for fulfillment? Where do you find your comfort? If you go to these things, then you will always have an empty hole in your lives. You will always have that deep-seated ache. You'll be able to fill it for a moment. You'll be able to fill it for a while. But these things are not shepherds in your lives. These things are not shepherds in your lives. When you go to the good shepherd, he is the one who is able to give you joy that's greater than fun. He's able to give you satisfaction that's deeper and richer and longer lasting than any shopping trick, Al alcohol buzz, or rush from porn. All these things leave you hollow and empty. You reach a point of satisfaction, but it's only temporary. You'll always need more. You'll always need more. It's only when you hold to that you, you cling to that, that the Lord is my shepherd, that you'll be able to find your full fulfillment, your fullness and your satisfaction.
It will be hard. It will be hard those days when you come home from the office and you're tired and you're angry and you had a really stressful day and you just want to relax with a bottle. It'll be hard when you're feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders and it's late at night and you sit down behind your laptop. It will be hard when your children have been screaming all day and you've been trying to provide for them and you've been trying to provide food for your husband when he comes home from work and you've been trying to do the chores and everything just seems so overwhelming and then your husband comes home and he's not appreciative of your work. It will be hard. Temptations to seek your satisfaction outside of the Lord will be great. But cling to that in these times. Cling to that, that the Lord is my shepherd. He is the one who watches over me. He is the one who cares for me. He is the one where I can find ultimate fulfillment. And throughout our history, throughout our salvation history, in centuries gone by, the Lord has shown us that he is the one who grants full fulfillment of, the, of being our shepherd. We could see that earlier on in Israel's history when he came down among them, as we saw earlier with Moses, when he lived among them and he established that personal relationship with them. He dwelt in the tabernacle and traveled with them. But it came to a more, to a fuller fulfillment when Jesus Christ himself came down among us in the flesh, when he tabernacled among us, then he was able to say in person, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Do you remember that, that door that we spoke of earlier? When you have that stone wall that's built up and the shepherd lies down in the doorway? Well, it's Jesus Christ himself who says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and go out and find pasture. He is the one who grants us that ultimate fulfillment, that ultimate joy. Come to Jesus and find grace and help in your hour of need. Everything else is only temporary. Everything else is vanity. It's a vapor in the wind. Come to him. He is the one who said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. If you slip, if you stumble, if you fall time and time again, turn to him. His grace is sufficient. Don't give up. Don't say, I'm too great of a sinner. The Lord won't want anything to do with me. I've fallen again and again. Don't give up. Come again to your shepherd and hold to that. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. At this point, you might be thinking, I shall not want. Well, I know that often I do have wants. I do have desires and they're not fulfilled. So what's going on here then? Well, the word for want here means to be empty. And the idea of I shall not want is that I will not decrease or lessen. 
That's the idea behind that Hebrew word. And that same Hebrew word is used in 1 Kings 17, where the widow of Zarephath provides Elijah with oil. She's told the oil, when you're pouring it out, that oil won't decrease or lessen. It's that same word, that idea that it'll continue to be full. It'll be pouring and pouring and pouring out, but it'll never be empty. But how do we experience this? How can we say that this is a reality for us today when we see the things that we're going through in life? How can we say this when we see that there's so much suffering in our lives? When I see that I'm suffering, when I see that my brother or sister is suffering, when I see that my mom or dad is suffering. Well, at this moment, we have to look at the words that we have in front of us. It doesn't say, I will not suffer. It doesn't say, I will not suffer here. We read, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will spend time in the valley of the shadow of death. There will be times when we walk out of the doctor's office and we hear those dreaded words. We have those dreaded words weighing on our hearts. You have cancer. That doesn't feel like green pastures or still waters. You will have times when you suffer the loss of a child, a sibling, or a parent. You'll have times when you have a personal loss, maybe the loss of a job, and your world will come crashing down around you. Outside you look fine, maybe. People think, oh, he can just move on and find a new job, but they don't see how much of a blow it's been inside of you, how much you're carrying inside of you. This doesn't say, I will not have enemies. In fact, it specifically says, I will. It says, in the presence of my enemies. I'll be found in the presence of my enemies. So, what do we think when we experience this, when we read about this? How does this come across for us? Well, Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation. You will suffer you will suffer, but, he says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There are moments when we are dark, but we can have a place that we can turn to. We have a place that we can find comfort, a place that we can find solace. We can say, I will face trouble but I shall not want. I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil. I will sit in the presence of my enemies, but my cup runs over. Why? How can I say these things even when I experience walking in the valley of the shadow of death, even when I experience sitting in the presence of my enemies? Why? For you are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The simple presence of God in our lives, and not just of an overarching God who stands back from the world, but of Yahweh, our covenant God, our Father, our Shepherd. That is what is our comfort. 
for you are with me. If we lean on him, he'll bring us through despite our difficulties. David knew this. This is why he laid it out the way he did. The simple presence of God inspires a confidence within us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. The Lord is on my side. What can man do to me? They can take my life, and so, and then? We can see, penned in moments of deepest sorrow, the words that were written by the, famous, by the famous hymn writer. He says, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. I am in Christ. I belong to my Lord. He is my shepherd. He is my gate. He is my all. And it's because of this, because I lean on him, that I can say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because no one can take this away from me. Jesus Christ is mine, and though the devil himself and all his forces rage against me, this will not change. I am his. The Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not want. I am his, and I will dwell with him. I will dwell in the house of my Lord forever. Amen.